You're listening to the CPR of Life podcast, a show about creating community through connection, awakening potential, and uncovering the resilience of the human spirit through an understanding of state of mind. It's about living a life well-lived and uncovering what often gets in the way. Welcome to Episode 5 of the CPR of Life podcast. In this episode, we travel across the world to Tel Aviv to talk to Stephanie Fox, Middle East Director of One Solution Global. She's a small-town Minnesota girl ready to take on the world. Her passion for ending war and contributing to social change is contagious. I'm so inspired by the work Stephanie is doing. I think you'll enjoy this conversation. Good morning and welcome to Stephanie. She's my guest today. Stephanie is the Middle East Director for One Solution. She's a passionate about ending war, and she's a budding amateur illustrator. Welcome, Stephanie. Thank you so much for having me. So, Stephanie, tell me a little bit about One Solution. Sure. So... Um, One Solution is a global nonprofit dedicated to looking at the most pressing global issues of our time through a new understanding of the mind. And we have this hypothesis that it is through a simple understanding of the human operating system which is our minds, through this understanding, we will be able to um, tackle the most uh, pervasive and long-standing issues of our time, such as uh, war and uh, climate change. So One Solution originally um, started as a conference in Oslo in 2016 by its founders, Mara and Ada Golson. It then is turned into uh, an organization um, with operations currently in uh, Chicago and the Middle East, uh, where we are primarily uh, working with youth, with young change makers, and supporting them and having this understanding, and then supporting them in their own uh, community change projects. So, when you talk about an understanding, what is the understanding? Well, it's seeing that the world to date, everything that is uh, visible and invisible to us has its source in the human mind. So the things that are are, are visible to us is kind of obvious to see like, um, you know, uh, air conditioning. Someone had the idea that, hey, it's really hot here in Tel Aviv where I live. <laughs> and wouldn't it be nice to create something uh, to cool the air uh, for us? Sorry, I realize this is an audio. So I'm holding up the, the remote for the air conditioning um, right now. So, but if you look around in your own room that you're sitting in right now, you can see that everything came from an idea that somebody had idea that occurred to a human mind and was then created in the world. And it's the, the same with the concepts and the structures that humanity is now living in. 
for example, the system of states, our political organization, how humans have politically organized themselves into states. Well, it wasn't always like this. This came from an idea that occurred in, I think it was 1645, in Europe, when a hundred group of humans got together in the midst of uh, religious warfare and said, hey guys, what can we do to stop this war that we seem to be constantly engaged in? And someone had the idea, why don't we create uh, states? with borders and they will be sovereign and we will respect each other's borders. And this is the way that we can end war. And the other hundred people in the room said, great, let's do that. And it was then that our modern system of states was born. And you can do that for everything that, that we, we see in terms of our, our, our schooling system or um, our healthcare system. Everything that we now live in is a product, uh, an old idea, if you will, an idea that somebody had and then we collectively bought into that idea and we now live in a world essentially of old ideas. Like everything came from um, the, the human mind. So when we start to see that, there is a, a freedom that kind of opens up in terms of what we could be living in. Once we know we are not stuck uh, with what we've created to date, that it wasn't always here. It came from humans and it requires humans' minds to keep in place the systems that, and um, concepts and ideas that we currently live in. So it's a way of, when you look at global problems, let's say, for example, war, which is something that I'm really passionate about, War is something that is happening. We try and solve it without realizing that the place, rather, we're trying to solve it at the symptom level. We're looking out at the world, trying to solve problems there, rather than going back place. So ironically, the, the state system was created to prevent war. Now, if it's not doing that, then rather than trying to like fix what we've created so far, we know that we can go back to the source and create something new. And it's just a really different direction to, to look in. I did not know that about the, the history. That was interesting. <laughs> <laughs> wow. I mean, I knew about the, the, the history, but not like the dating back to 16 was 45. That's You've done your homework. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I think it was 1645. Don't quote me on that. I know it was 16-something. <laughs> that, that's super interesting. So how did you kind of, Stephanie from a small town in Minnesota, end up in Tel Aviv working, doing? Yeah, 
Well, <laughs> this is a question uh, my parents ask <laughs> often. So um, from, I, th- I think, my university years, when I was at the University of Minnesota, I, I volunteered at a refugee shelter in, in Minneapolis where there is the largest population of Somali refugees, the largest population of Somalis outside of Somalia. And that experience made me really curious about uh, war and conflict and how terrible it must be in Somalia, in this case, for these people to come all the way um, to Minnesota and live. So I, I got interested in conflict and the causes of it. And I did a, a master's degree in international conflict analysis in kind of an effort and in a search to see how I could understand conflict and war and therefore prevent it. And then I, it was through this interest that I was also interested in working uh, internationally and working in conflict zones to apply not only the knowledge I thought I had gained in school, but also to to make a difference. You know, I, I saw people suffering and I wanted to make a difference. And so um, I, I got in, involved in um, companies that were doing uh, development work. So like uh, private companies that were implementing foreign projects abroad. And then I had the opportunity to apply for a job with the United Nations in Gaza. And I applied and was so honored that I was um, accepted. Now, (laughs) I realized for many people, it might seem a little strange as to why would you want to go take a job in, in a conflict area. But I guess it was just because of my real desire to make a difference. And, and I thought somehow I could. So that's how I ended up here. Wow. That's, that must be interesting. Were you kind of, was there any part of you that was hesitant to kind of make such a big change? No, I was really, I was, <laughs> I was really excited about it. I, it was, it was like a dream come true for me to work, work for the United Nations. It was a dream come true. And so I was, I was really excited and honored. No hesitation, actually. So the work that you studied when you were doing your master's, how does that fit into how you see potential solutions at this point? Is there, is there kind of a similarity or do you see it as a little bit different? Yeah, I think it's it's really different from what I studied um, in my in my master's program because that was all looking at the world that has been created and trying to fix it. Like I was alluding to a little bit earlier, so it's coming from it out of perspective of we are stuck with what we got, you know. So. Well, we got the we we have the state system, we have religions, we have uh, certain economic systems, we have uh, people who act based on uh, 
greed and fear. So how are we going to deal with that? And so you get concepts like um, conflict um, mediation or management, just trying to, to manage and maintain without it getting any worse, the systems that we already have. But now what I teach, it's going back to the source to seeing that we are not stuck with what we have. We, we, we don't have to uh, deal with the, the burnt cookies. You know, when some, the analogy I sometimes use with the, with the young people I work with here is that if an, you take some cookies out of the oven and they're burnt, you can try and fix them by putting on some more frosting or sprinkles to make them more delicious. But you can't really hide the fact that it's burnt cookies. You're still going to find a way with that, but (laughs) I agree. (laughs) Right. But if you know the source of the cookies, put some new dough in the oven and make some new ones. Mm. And in this analogy, it's, new thought, yeah. new yeah. ideas that could come out of human minds to create a new world. It's like the new dough. We don't, ha- we don't have to eat and deal with the, the burnt cookies once we know the source of them. Oh. That's a good analogy. I like that analogy. So is it the work that you're doing? Is it primarily young people? Yeah, so it's I work with a group of 12 fellows from Gaza and the West Bank, and they are either university students or recent graduates. Hmm. And how do they know about this understanding prior to the work or you've kind of you're kind of taking them through the journey? Yeah, I mean, I think to a certain extent. Um, I mean, all human beings know it intuitively, but we just kind of forget that we're the ones that created everything, you know? So I feel like it's kind of a a, a reminding. Right. Because that's all yeah. that it is, really. It's pointing people to their own wisdom. Yeah. And how old are the, the, the you said university? Yeah, university and recent graduates. Yeah. And how is this? Is there, I like to say, like often in the work that we do, there's a tremendous gift that's sometimes not seen right away because we drop a pebble in the water and there's a ripple effect from that that we often can't see. Like when I'm, I do a lot of work with kids and kids whose parents are going through separation and divorce. And when, when, they get about this understanding there's the potential for how this affects other things ripples out in ways that we often can't see i can just see what's happening with the child or with the family with you how are, how is this received in the community yeah well i'm so delighted to report that my experience has been the same as yours that there is a ripple effect when the the young people I work with share this, whether they see it or not. I was I was talking to uh, one of them recently, 
Actually, two of them said the same thing about how the people in their lives, their coworkers and family, noticed how they seemed to be more patient and less reactive oh. in situations. And I pointed out how huge that was. That is, especially in that area where you're living right now. There's so much conflict that that's taking it back to a very basic level of understanding. Exactly. And even that, that one thing of being less reactive is so crucial to this region and many other regions that um, in the world that experience conflicts. I mean, the, the whole thing here, it always, there's one action and then the other side reacts and then the other side has to react to that. And then we just are back in the never-ending spiral of violence. But what's really exciting for me is to think of, you know, a critical mass of people in this region being less reactive Mm. and other people noticing that. And then what could the world look like here? What could it look like in this region if the majority of people just stop being reactive? I mean, that right there is a game changer. It really is. It's so simple, but yet seems to be so hard to, to, to grasp or to put into place. Um, maybe I think it's not hard for people to see the source of their experience and become less reactive, in my opinion. But... What is harder, I guess, is the, uh, the scaling it up. Yeah, yeah. Right? So, you know, I have the, this small group here, and they're a tiny, tiny uh, percentage. And there is a ripple effect happening, surely. But I'm impatient. <laughs> you know, I want it to be scaled up, like, right now. And I did. that's so what what other type of things is it just that that you do there or is there other things that you're you're doing you mentioned a conference yeah so um the, i've been working with this group of fellows for the last um few months and this conference is the culmination of that work it will happen in um the 29th of october in Jerusalem, the One Solution Conference called Reimagining the World. And we'll be sharing the understanding that we've been talking about and how knowing that will open up some doors for us to reimagine a world, like, for example, with the, a world without reactivity, <laughs> like I just talked about. Yeah. Um, if this will give us a chance to kind of showcase the, the main points that we've been working with this group on. And also, I hope that it will um, inspire young, other young change makers in the region. We're really hoping to attract other university age uh, students this event to to see what what is possible when we look towards the mind um, as the source 
of our world. And when we look towards ourselves as um, the source of our feelings, and as you pointed out, our wisdom Mm -hmm. and our own well-being, that these are such simple, it's so simple, it's almost laughable. (laughs) But such, like, for me, game-changing points for future leaders to understand. Because then when people growing up today know this, we, we will live in a fundamentally different world. We will <laughs> create systems that are not uh, based on fear, yeah. that are not based on the other but that are based on the ideas that come from a sound, peaceful place of well-being, um, which I think would look really different um, than our world today. Um, we're also hoping that um, people who are interested in, in social and global change, there's so many practitioners out there doing really great work. Um, and we hope that they'll come as well and hopefully their, their work will, uh, be amplified, um, by such a simple understanding. It, it's one of these things where I think when you cultivate in the human, especially with youth and younger minds, that there's a potential to see things in a completely different way. And the, 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 the impact, the potential impact that that can have is so significant and it's it's inspiring when you meet youth who are willing to come to the table with an open mind and look at things in a different way. Absolutely. And one of the biggest changes that I've seen in working with youth here that I think is like a game changer you're describing is rather than seeing the person across the table or on your television screen or or wherever you see them as this nationality with this political uh, agenda, with this kind of blood on their hands, this religion, whatever, all of these labels, you can see them as a human being who is believing their thinking and acting on it. And that is such a huge shift. From seeing, oh, that's a that's a a bunch a group of labels to oh, that's a human being believing their thinking and acting on it, and that is a really amazing thing to see as well. And what I think could totally change the world if uh, people knew that. So, for the young people that you're working with, they must be once they get this, they must feel the the inspired by the possibility. You know, in a place where there's so much conflict, is there things kind of that they're kind of hoping to take from this and kind of take out into the world? Yes, for sure. So as we're we're coming to the end of our program now, actually, uh, this Friday will will be the final day, and we're going to be discussing exactly that because many of them are inspired to take this out into their community and, and the world. And so they'll be getting organized to do that. They have a lot of uh, exciting ideas, 
going to be creating different Facebook groups and, and YouTube videos and holding uh, community events. So I anticipate that after this, the, the ripple effect will be much more visible. Yeah. How, how long have you been doing this over there? Well, I started this fellowship program in April. Okay. But prior to that, I was also uh, giving uh, workshops at, at different uh, youth organizations and also teaching this understanding at an international high school here in Israel. So uh, uh, a year and a half, maybe. When you go into these organizations, how do you present this as something like for like, do you just say like, this is the potential to change the world or want to talk? <laughs> how do you package this when you first start chatting with people? Yeah, pretty much like you said, that I, you know, for, for 20 years, I was trying to change the world and I realized it didn't work. Um, but I think I, I have a new understanding of the human operating system. I think it's really powerful. Uh, to make change, and it's a really under it's a simple understanding of how your mind works, how we're all experiencing um, thought in any given moment, and thought is what created the world. And there is something about seeing that that makes <laughs> things not as fixed. Um, it makes the world malleable. And, um, yeah, that's, that's basically <laughs> what I say. So if, you know, if they have, uh, if they're interested in making social or global changes, I think I have the key to it and I'd be happy to share it with you. Mm. <laughs> and it's, it is, it's one of these things where it's just like when you're so passionate about it and I think everybody in our community is because the potential for change is so available I don't even know if, but that's you know like it's just it's there in so many different ways when you started working with this group that you're working with when you started with them in April how how was it at the table like was there a lot of animosity was there a lot of curiosity what was the what was it like <laughs> yeah there was a lot of curiosity for sure I mean many of them are you know, they're so happy to meet foreigners. <laughs> and so like that was uh, interesting for them. And, but I recently learned that there was also a lot of suspicion. <laughs> oh. <laughs> one, of, one of them confided in me that, um, what did he say? He said, yeah, I thought you were coming with some political agenda <laughs> that you might, you know, be working for quote unquote, the other side. Mm -hmm. And so we had a good laugh about that now, because now after, you know, working with me for so long, he, he knows that I'm coming with like no ulterior motive, just, uh, just a, a good feeling to help a troubled part of the world. I wonder how long he carried that suspicion for before he kind of was like, no, okay, this is maybe not. <laughs> I, I like to think it was after the first day. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> now, is it, 
is it male and female students here? Yeah. Yeah. Um, just because I would think then, is there, is there anything that's kind of stands out or is more of an issue for men or women, or is it just kind of the same issues that are there? Hmm. Well, one of the big issues that both my male and female colleagues uh, are interested in changing is gender inequality. Right. Because it's very... Yeah, I was... I, I thought I knew that that would be an issue for the women, but I was surprised that the, the men, too, were very much interested in transforming their society to one where their sisters and mothers do receive better treatment. Yes. So, and yeah, so that was a common issue. The other issue, um, I have men in men who are environmentalists. <laughs> I have others who are interested in ending corruption. Ooh, that's a big I one. have yeah, uh, a female who is interested in transforming the education system to one not based on rote memorization, but based on critical thinking and and the 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 softer skills yeah if you will um so so it's a range but both male and females are united in 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 their interest in in closing the gender gap it sounds like this coming friday the projects that you're going to see coming out of this are are potentially i hope this is something that you could you can share kind of publicly because i would love to see the difference and this is the basis of the conference, then, is what they're going to be presenting? Is that... Um, they, yeah, they will present their, their thoughts. It's a bit tricky here because they won't be able to physically attend um, because the conference is being held in Jerusalem and Gazans aren't allowed to, to travel to Jerusalem. And so um, they'll they'll be participating somehow uh, remotely. Um, that's that's got to be so tough that you can't travel to a place, you know. It, it's, it's, it is. It's a different society. It is. I mean, I feel so honored that I was able to live and work in Gaza for five years, and it is... Uh, it's, it's, it's hard for me not to be able to go back there now and, and, and work in person with these guys. Um, but I'm, I'm so grateful in any case that I did get to, um, that we, for the internet so that we can work online. I, I love technology. Like here you are in Tel Aviv and I'm here and that we're having a conversation, which is amazing. Yes. Um, yeah. is it okay? So one solution has, uh, headquarters in Chicago, and you're there. Do is there the opportunity for the people that you're working with to kind of touch base with people over there? So there's a potential of reaching across the global borders. Sorry, you you mean like your your audience to? Um, I don't understand so the question. The group that you're working with, like yes. Is there the potential for them to kind of, do you ever like have like where you do like um, 
they meet the people in Chicago and to see what the young oh, yes. are doing, like so that it's kind of they can be inspired at a global level that there's the potential for change is there. Yes, absolutely. And one of uh, the highlights was already um, one of our fellows who's not in Gaza, who, but who was in Nablus, he was traveling to the U S earlier this summer. And he actually got a, the chance to meet uh, Dijon and, and the rebels uh, for peace, which was such an amazing learning opportunity, as you point out, to for them to know that they are a part of a, a global network and 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 to learn from each other. Because even though the locations are different, the issues are fundamentally the same. That's the thing that I think would be really interesting for them to see is that wow, you know, like so they could be having this issue in Chicago, but you know. Here's somebody from the other side of the world, but the issues at the table are the same. Yeah. And then to, to know, it's so inspiring that these are our young people and they're the ones working for change. Exactly. Yes. Our future leaders and caretakers of the planet are learning, in my opinion, the most important and fundamental thing that a human being can learn to take care of the planet better and take care of each other better. Is this something now that you teach your son? Like how, like, because with myself, sometimes my son, he'll be having a difficulty and he says, if I, I know mommy, it's just my thoughts, you know, like he doesn't want to, do you share this with your son? You know, he is more of the teacher than me, to be honest. Because <laughs> The, the the impact of growing and, and having to fit into things in a different way. Yeah, and he doesn't, he has nothing on anything. Like mm. he has, you know, he'll have his uh, moments of being upset, really upset about not getting the bag of Cheetos at the store, not getting the toy at the toy store, whatever it is. And then once his thought storm clears, He's out of it and we're having a great time again. Yeah. And he's just so in, he's so in the moment and so connected to his own well-being that, you know, I'm, like I said, I'm, I'm the one that learns from him more than he from me. (laughs) It's true. Like even knowing this, do you ever find yourself kind of like you're having a moment, a parent moment where you feel like you need to put yourself in a timeout because you're like, you get that it's just coming from your own thought storm where you're like, oh, wow, I'm really in my head right now. Oh, for sure. And I do put myself into a timeout. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I mean, as I was, as I was saying to someone earlier today, you know, understanding this doesn't... Uh, mean that you're not going to have the human experience. Right. Because we're human. You can't get away from that. Yeah. But it does mean that also I know to put myself on a timeout, yeah. which gets back to our earlier point of young people knowing that the first reaction yeah. might not be the best one. Yeah. And so on a personal level, it's a parent putting themselves to a timeout. But then on a global level, it's nations not going to war. Yes. And it's the same thing. It, it, it is the same thing. And it's just like sometimes people don't, when I say I could be going to a business or I could be working with somebody in a school, 
or I could be working with an adult. This isn't, it's the same, you know, if the understanding is the same and that's the brilliance of this and the beauty of it, that's, it's one of these things where it's like, you could put them all in one room and teach the same thing and they would all have the potential for a different way of looking at life. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How did you get into this in the first place? Like, how did you come across this understanding? Was it before the conference in 2016? Yeah, so it was really after, uh, with the birth of my son in 2014, I, when I looked at him for the first time, I knew that there was something something amazing going on with him. And now I was never really into spirituality or anything like this, but I knew that there was something beyond the human form operating in him. He was wise. He looked at me knowing things that I didn't know. And it was a bit frightening for me, actually to see this tiny newborn looking at me with the eyes of like a, a wise ancient soul. And it was, it was just so real for me to, to see that he, he was operating just from uh, the formless place, I suppose. Yeah. Um, and so I actually Googled something like, I think my the baby's an angel or I think, something you know <laughs> I can't remember exactly what it was and um eventually I came across uh Michael Neal's um Inside Our Revolution yeah and and I read that and it just it resonated it rang true yeah, to me so then I I did Super Coach Academy in 2016 and that is where I met Mara who was teaching one of the weekends and and her and Michael did a talk on can you change the world in two hours Uh, that was the title of their talk that weekends and that's when I heard or that I had my own insight about how understanding the source of your feelings would actually end war And that is when I knew that my 20-year search for the end of war was over. Like I saw, I saw the end of war. I saw it. I saw that if people knew the feeling of security that we're all seeking, because we're all seeking a feeling of security. If we knew that that was coming from inside us and not the outside world, not from building walls with our neighbors, not from amassing huge armies, not from getting nuclear weapons, not from having a strong state or whatever it is. If we knew that, then we would not do the things that lead to war. Yeah. And so um, that was uh, that insight and here I am today. (laughs) That's quite the story. I'd be curious what came up when you Googled the stuff about your baby being an angel. You must have gotten... (laughs) There must yeah. be a whole whack of interesting things to look through. 
for sure. Oh yeah. There that yes. Apparently I wasn't the first one to ask that question. (laughs) (laughs) So Stephanie, if there's something that you could leave our listeners with a piece of advice or a thought or something, what would it be? I think it would be that changing the world and if by world that means you know your world so your world could be your family your community or whatever changing your world and the world is so much easier than we think and while it is tempting to go out and change the circumstances and the situations of our lives. If you first look to the source of all experience of our feelings within, looking within, this is what will bring up insights in which then when you look back out at the world, it will have changed already. You will see a different one. perfect place to end this that was really it was really good that was i loved our chat i think that everything that you're doing is interesting and such has such immense potential i'm really looking forward to seeing what comes out for your group because again i say if we cultivate and give space for our youth to change the lens of how things are change the conversation the ripple effect from that is, is amazing. Yeah, for sure. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Enjoy the chat, Stephanie. Thank you very much. I really enjoy talking to Stephanie. I'm passionate about resolving conflict at the personal level. And this conversation helped me realize that addressing the conflict, whether personal or on a global level, starts at the same point. There's so much potential in having conversations. If you have any feedback or comments, please feel free to reach out. Here are a few thought bomb takeaways. There is a tremendous benefit in looking beyond the problem and trying to manage it. Instead of trying to solve the problem at the symptom level, looking beyond the problem to the source. The world would be a different place when we stop addressing fear and insecurity and create systems of well-being. The result will be a much more patient and less reactive society. If people knew that feelings of security came from inside, not from building walls, buying weapons of mass destruction, they would not do that. And finally, it all begins by inviting people of different opinions to the table. Thank you for listening. Information on the upcoming One Solution Conference, as well as ways to connect with Stephanie, can be found in our show notes. Until next time, be well, be inspired, be you. If you like what you just heard, we hope you'll share this podcast. If you'd like to get in touch with Jessie Lynn, please check out the contact page on her website, jessielynnmcdonald.com. Also, we'd be beyond grateful if you would leave us a review. Join us next time for another edition of the CPR of Life.